The One and Only Ivan, page 183. The next morning, I watch Max's car slam to a halt in the parking lot. He leaps out. He stares at the billboard. His jaw is open. He doesn't move for a long time. Mad human. A mad gorilla is loud, but a mad human can be loud too, especially when he's throwing chairs and turning over tables and breaking the cotton candy machine. Phone call. Mac is kicking a trash can across the food court when the phone rings. He answers it red-faced and sweating. What the? He demands. He glares at me. I don't know what you're... He starts to say, but then he listens for a while. Who? Julia who? He asks. Oh, sure. George's kid. She's the one who called you? More talking. With the phone to his ear, Mac comes closer to my cage, eyeing me suspiciously. Yeah, yeah, he says. He paints. Sure. We've been selling his art for quite a while now. There's another long pause. Yeah, absolutely. It was my idea. Mac nods. A smile starts at the corners of his mouth. Photos? No problem. You want to see him in action? Yeah, I think he'll be adding more pictures. It's a, you know, what do you call it? A work in progress. The call is over. Mac shakes his head. Impossible, he says. Impossible. An hour later, a man with a camera comes to take my picture. He is from the local paper, the one Julia called. How about you take one of me with the elephant, Max suggests. He drapes his arm around Ruby's back, grinning as the camera clicks. Perfect, the man says. Perfect, Mac agrees. A star again. A photo of my billboard is in the newspaper. Mac tapes the story onto my window. Each day, more curious people arrive. They park in front of the billboard. They point and shake their heads. They take photos. Then they come into the mall and buy my paintings. While visitors watch, I dip my hands in fresh buckets of paint. I make pictures for the gift shops and pictures to add to the billboard. Trees with birds, a newborn elephant with glittering black eyes, a squirrel, a bluebird, a worm. I even paint Bob so he can be in the billboard too. I can tell he likes the picture, although he says I didn't quite capture his distinguished nose. Every afternoon, Mac and George add my new pictures to the billboard. People slow their cars while they work. Drivers honk and wave. My gift shop pictures now cost $65 with frame. The Ape Artist. I have new names. People call me the Ape Artist, the Primate Picasso. I have visitors from morning till night, and so does Ruby. But nothing's changed for her. Every day at 2, 4, and 7, Ruby plods through the sawdust and with Snickers on her back. Every night, she has bad dreams. Bob, I say, after I've soothed Ruby to sleep with a story, my idea isn't working. Bob opens one eye. Be patient. I'm tired of being patient, I say. Interview. This evening, a man and woman come to interview Mac and also George and Julia. The man has a large and heavy camera perched on his shoulder. He films me as I make my picture. He films Ruby in her cage with her foot roped to the bolt in the floor. Mind if I take a look around, he asks. Mac waves a hand. Be my guest. While Mac and the woman talk, the cameraman walks through the mall. He pans his camera right and left, up and down. When his eyes fall on the claw stick, he stops. He trains his camera on the gleaming blade. Then he moves on. The early news. Mac turns on the TV. We are on the early news at five o'clock. 
Bob says, don't let it go to my head. There we all are. Mac, Ruby, me, George, and Julia. The billboard, the mall, the ring, and the claw stick. Signs on sticks. In the morning, several people gather in the parking lot. They're carrying signs on sticks. The signs have words and pictures on them. One has a drawing of a gorilla cradling a baby elephant. I wish I could read. Protesters. More people with signs come today. They want Ruby to be free. Some of them even want Mac to shut down the mall. In the evening, George and Mac talk about them. Mac says they're protesting the wrong guy. He says they're going to ruin everything. He says, thanks for nothing, George. Mac stomps off. George, holding his mop, watches him leave. He rubs his eyes. He looks worried. Dad, Julia says, looking up from her homework. You know what my favorite sign was? Hmm, George asks, which one? The one that said, elephants are people too. George gives her a tired smile. He goes back to work. His mop moves across the empty food court like a giant brush, painting a picture no one will ever see. Check marks. A tall man with a clipboard and pencil comes to visit. He says he's here to inspect the property. He doesn't say much more, but he makes many check marks on his paper. He looks at my floor. Check. He examines Ruby's hay. Check. He eyes our water bowls. Check. Mac watches him, scowling. Bob is outside, hiding near the dumpster. He does not want to be a checkmark. Free Ruby. Every day there are more protesters and cameras with bright lights. Sometimes the people carrying signs shout, Free Ruby! Free Ruby! Ivan, Ruby asks, What are those people doing? Why are they yelling my name? Are they mad at me? They're mad, I say, but not at you. A week later, the inspecting man comes back with a friend a woman with smart, dark eyes like my mother's. She has a white coat on and she smells like lobelia blossoms. Her hair is thick and brown, the color of a rotten branch teeming with luscious ants. She watches me for a long time. Then she watches Ruby. She talks to the man. They both talk to Mac. The man gives Mac a sheet of paper. Mac covers his face. He goes to his office and slams the door. New box. Something strange is happening. The white-coated woman is back with other humans. They place a large box in the center of a ring. It's ruby size. And suddenly I know why the woman is here. She's here to take Ruby away. Training. The woman leads Ruby to the box. She places an apple inside. Good girl, Ruby, she says. Don't be afraid. Ruby inspects the box with her trunk. The woman makes a clicking sound with a little piece of metal she's holding in her hand. She gives Ruby a piece of carrot. Each time Ruby touches the box, she gets a click and a treat. Why is she making that clicking noise, I ask Bob. They do that to dogs all the time, Bob says. I can tell he doesn't approve. It's called clicker training. They want Ruby to associate the noise with a treat. When she does something they want, they make that noise. Great job, Ruby, the the woman says. You're a quick study. After many clicks and carrots, she takes Ruby back to her cage. Why is that lady giving me carrots when I touch the box, Ruby asks me. I think she wants you to go inside, I explain. But there's nothing inside, Ruby says, except an apple. Inside that box, I say, is the way out. Ruby tilts her head. I don't get it. 
See the picture of the red giraffe on the box? I think she's from the zoo, Ruby. I think she's getting ready to take you there. I wait for Ruby to trumpet with joy, but instead she just stares at the box in silence. I'm not sure you understand. That box might be taking you to a place where there are other elephants, I say. A place with more room and humans who care about you. But even as I say these words, I remember with a shudder the last box I was in. I don't want a zoo, Ruby says. I want you and Bob and Julia. This is my home. No, Ruby, I say. This is your prison. Poking and prodding. The lady comes again. She brings an animal doctor with an awful smell and a dangerous-looking bag. He spends an hour with Ruby, poking and prodding. He looks at her eyes, her feet, her trunk. When he's done with Ruby, he enters my cage. I wish I could hide under a knot tag like Bob. Instead, I do a nice, loud chest beat, and after a moment, the doctor retreats. We're going to need to put this one under, he says. I'm not quite sure what he means, but I strut around my cage, feeling victorious anyway. No painting. No one asks me to paint today. No one asks Ruby to perform. There are no shows, no visitors, unless you count the protesters. Max stays in his office all day. More boxes. I wake up from a long morning nap. Bob is on my belly, but he isn't asleep. He's watching the ring where four men are placing a large metal box. It's me size. What's that, I ask, still blurry from sleep. Bob nuzzles my chin. I believe that box is for you, my friend. Not sure what he means. Me? They brought in a bunch of boxes while you were sleeping. Looks to me like they're taking the whole lot of you, he says, casually licking his paw. Even Thelma. Taking, I repeat, taking us where? Well, some to the zoo, probably. Others to an animal shelter where humans will try to find them homes. Bob shakes himself. So I guess all good things must come to an end, huh? His voice is bright, but his eyes are far away and sad. I'm going to miss your big stomach, big guy. Bob shuts his eyes. He makes an odd noise in his throat. But what about you, I ask? I can't tell if Bob's just pretending to sleep, but he doesn't answer. I gaze at the huge shadowy box, and suddenly I understand how Ruby feels. I don't want to go into that box. The last time I was in a box, my sister died. Goodbye. When George and Julia come that night, George doesn't get his mop or broom. He gathers up his tools and belongings where Julia, while Julia runs to my cage. This is my last night, Ivan, she says, and she presses her palm to my glass. Mac fired my dad. Tears slipped down her cheeks, but the zoo lady said maybe they'll have an opening there in a while, cleaning cages and stuff. I walk to the glass that separates us. I put my hand where Julia is, palm to palm, finger to finger. My hand is bigger, but they're not so very different. I'm going to miss you, Julia says, and Ruby and Bob, but this is a good thing. Really, it is. You deserve a different life. I stare into her dark eyes, and I wish I had words for her. Sniffling, she goes to Ruby's cage. Have a good life, Ruby, she says. Ruby makes a little rumbling sound. She puts her trunk through the bars and touches Julia's shoulder. Where is Bob, anyway? Julia asks. She looks around, under tables, in my cage, by the trash can. Dad, she calls. Have you seen Bob? Bob? Nope, George says. Julia's brow wrinkles. What's going to happen to him, Dad? What if Max shuts down the whole mall? He says he's going to try to keep it open without the animals, George says. He stuffs his hands in his pockets. I'm worried about Bob, too, but he's a survivor. 
You know what, Dad? Julia gets a gleam in her eye. Bob could live with us. Mom loves dogs, and he could keep her company, and... Jules, I'm not even sure if I have a job yet. I may not, not even be able to feed you, let alone some mutt. My dog walking money... Sorry, Jules. Julia nods. I understand. She starts to leave, then runs back to my cage. I almost forgot. This is for you. She slips a piece of paper into my cage. It's a drawing of me and Ruby. We're eating yogurt raisins. Ruby is playing with another baby elephant, and I'm holding hands with a lovely gorilla. She has red lips and a flower in her hair. I look, as I always do at Julia's pictures, like an elegant fellow, but something is different about this drawing. In this picture, I am smiling.